nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So, welcome to another episode of the Zika Health Show. This is your boy, weight management expert, Narado Zika Powell. And I have for you today, Alex Dragan, ND, naturopathic doctor. You know I love to bring naturopathic doctors on the show, right? Because they discuss the whole body. And every time I bring a naturopathic doctor onto the show, I learn something that I didn't know before. And this is definitely going to happen with Alex. But what she primarily does is she treats gut health and women's health. So she doesn't just treat women, but she does treat gut health and women's health. That's why she highlight that, right? So guys, you need to improve the health of your gut too. So listen to this episode. But today, what are we going to talk about? Of course, gut health, weight loss. I'll have to talk about weight loss. How plant-based diets can help you lose weight. And as a bonus... At the end, we're going to talk about three tips for a healthy vagina. Yes, I said it. Three tips for a healthy vajayjay. And with that being said, let's bring Alex to the show. Hey, Alex, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for that wonderful introduction. (laughs) I know you won't disappoint. I know you won't disappoint. Yeah, I'm excited for those three tips at the end. Yeah, so stay tuned. (laughs) Stay tuned. Do not turn that dial. Yeah. And with that being said, Alex, tell my audience about yourself, your qualifications, and your work. Yeah, so I am a naturopathic doctor. Um, If you don't know what that is, um, we're becoming a lot more popular. And like Narado said, we look at the body um, as a whole. So we're not treating systems. We're not treating symptoms. We are doing holistic healthcare. Um, So I started my journey um, in Montreal, actually, in Quebec. Um, Yes, I'm up in Canada, (laughs) the Great White North. And then I moved out to Vancouver, British Columbia to complete my degree in naturopathic medicine. And now I am here. I um, I met a boy and I stuck around. (laughs) And now I work in Vancouver and uh, Port Moody, which is a kind of suburb outside of uh, the main city. So that's a little bit about me. And um, I personally have struggled with gut health. And so that's kind of why, what propelled me into um, helping women, you know, treat their, their gut and their hormones and really feel the best that they can feel. Because I remember, you know, um, as a high level athlete back when I was growing up and in university, um, I, w- I wasn't able to do things because of my gut health and having accidents and it's embarrassing. And, um, I know that a lot of people suffer silently from these things. So I just wanted to do everything that I can to, to help, um, those people reach optimal health. So you met a boy and you stuck around, right? I'm trying to think <laughs> of a song right now, but the song's not coming to my head. I was like, Oh, after this episode, I'm going to think of a song, but yeah. that, that lucky, lucky boy or unlucky boy, who knows? 
So, <laughs> but, and I love having naturopathic doctors on the show, like I said, because you focus on the whole body, right? Instead mm-hmm. of just a symptom. So in your opinion, why should we focus on the root causes to our illness? Well, I mean, in my opinion, for sure, obviously that's, that's what I do. I'm focusing on the root cause, but every person is different. So I meet, I meet people where they're at. Some people truly just want symptom management and that's okay. Um, but if you're just slapping a bandaid on a symptom, um, you're really missing, you know, the iceberg underneath. And so you might feel better for a period of time, but if you're not truly assessing and getting to the root cause of whatever it is you have, you know, eczema, skin stuff is a really good um, thing to think about for root cause because you can use creams and you can put steroids and reduce it and kind of push it back into its place. But if you're not addressing the gut or hormones or, you know, your environmental toxin exposure, then you're really never going to truly heal from eczema or psoriasis or whatever, acne or whatever it may be. Um, so finding that, that reason um, will remove everything and kind of lead you to, to heal. And, and it might take longer. <laughs> and that's, I think, a lot of times why people like the Band-Aid approach is because they get a pill for every ill and oh, blood pressure's up, get a blood pressure pill, and now it's controlled. Um, but that just leads to so many other problems. Um, and you, yeah, like I said, you're just not addressing, addressing true wellness. So you're, you're doing sick care rather than um, wellness care. And so if you really want to be well, you need to address the, the root cause. And if you just want to slap a Band-Aid on, then that's fine. But it's going to lead to problems down the road. Exactly. And I want to address a couple of things there because you mm-hmm. hit on eczema and I used to have really bad eczema. I should have a story. I went to the, I, I hate needles, right? And yeah. I went to the doctor. Well, first I, I, my eczema was starting to flare up and then I got a cut. Apparently when you get a cut and it starts to flare up, it makes it worse, which I didn't know that at the time. And then I was using bleach. So it was like spread all over my skin. And I was like patting my hands, like, I'm fine, I'm fine, because I didn't want to go. Well, finally, my friends are like, you have to go to the doctor or to the hospital, right? So I was at the hospital. The doctor said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swab your hip, right? And he started swabbing. Now, again, I'm afraid of needles. So I was swabbing my butt. And I'm like, doc, when you say hip, that's not where I was thinking. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the reason I'm bringing that up is because all the people in my family have bad eczema. And I'm no longer on medication for my eczema because of the things that I've done to reduce inflammation and to heal the issues that I've had. And I am say heal for myself, not for everybody else. Not saying mm-hmm. I can't heal you. I'm not a doctor and I'm not, I'm not Jesus. But <laughs> for me, I haven't had an eczema flare-up in years since I've made the changes that I've made. Now, all the people in my family who have been on medication are still on that medication or another version of the medication years later, and their skin doesn't look as awesome and flawless as mine, Right. So we may think, oh, it's actually longer to heal something or it's all to long or not say heal. Maybe it's a longer to deal with the root cause. That's a mm-hmm. better phrase. But it's really not longer because when you get to that point where you when it's, con- it's truly controlled, where you don't need pharmaceuticals to control it versus someone like with my asthma or in my eczema, if I didn't make the changes, I would still be on medication today. So the length of time, it may, it may seem like it takes longer, but in my opinion, it really doesn't. Yeah. 
And I, I'm curious um, about your, you said it runs in your family. And I, I hear this all the time where people will say, oh, diabetes, type 2 diabetes runs in my family. So I'm probably going to get it. And my response to that is that lifestyle and dietary um, patterns also run in families. And so if your whole family has eczema and you're all eating the same thing, then maybe you need to look at that and see, are you really eating for health and wellness or are you fueling the disease or illness that you have? Exactly. What, what, what soap do you use? Um, yeah. What kind of sanitizer, if you use sanitizer, do you use? Um, you know, how much toxin do you expose yourself to? How much stress, because stress is involved with inflammation and skin irritation and issues like that, right? So how many of those things are you really exposing yourself to? So stop and think about it. Yeah, things might run in your family, but there's this wonderful science called epigenetics that tells us that over (laughs) 98% of our DNA can impact the 2% that we inherit. Think about how awesome that is. We can take control of our health. Totally. Now, with that being said, what roles do underlying health issues like hypothyroidism, diabetes, nutrient deficiency, and so on, so on, play in, I'm going to say weight loss, I'm going to say weight management. Yeah, so why don't we start with the nutrient um, deficiencies, because I see this a lot. Um, And I'm sure, you know, in the States and Canada, like we have an epidemic of obesity, where people are undernourished, um, but they, they are obese. And so, your cells are truly not getting the the deserved nutrients that they need to function properly and to reach optimal capacity. Um, And so you're, you're in a state of cellular starvation. Oftentimes I see this where people are like, I don't know what's going on. I'm eating, you know, a certain amount of calories and I'm not losing weight or I'm gaining weight. And it's because your cells are starving for nutrients and vitamins that they're not getting. And sometimes, you know, people have diets that are, are totally fine, but they're, you know, they could be eating a little bit more organic or where they're getting the foods from is not ideal, or it's, you know, supermarket meat or things like that, um, that are devoid of nutrients or they're eating out of season. And now we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, so all of these things play into the amount of nutrients that you're getting, but also absorbing, right? Like you need to be absorbing these things. And that's where gut health comes in, where I see, you know, women come to see me and their gut is a mess and they can't, you know, they're having loose stools or constipation or going back and forth between the the two. Um, And they're really not absorbing anything that they're eating. You know, you're seeing, if you see little pieces of, of kale or lettuce in your poop, that's not getting into your cells. So these are things to think about. And I like to think of your poop as a vital sign. (laughs) Um, And people should be looking at their poop. And I tell this to my patients all the time. And they're like, why would I look at my poop? It's like, what do you do when your dog is sick? You look at the poop, right? You look at the color, you look at the consistency, you're like, what did they eat? Did they eat something wrong? Um, So we should be doing that for ourselves, because it it tells us a lot about what's going on in our insides. and then I know you you asked about you know things like insulin or diabetes, thyroid, um, underlying conditions. So hormones is a huge factor in weight loss or weight management. Um, insulin being a huge one. So um, I like to tell people that this is why we feed 
babies when they're born every two hours or every three hours, like they're constantly getting breast milk or, or um, formulas because we want to keep their insulin high because insulin, it's not necessarily anabolic, but it's, it's a hormone that acts in an anabolic way. So it's a fat builder. And if you think about, you know, bodybuilders, they're eating like five meals a day, right? They're constantly fueling so that they don't lose mass. And so thinking about that in, in conjunction of how you're eating, the timing that you're eating, what you're eating, um, insulin is a huge player that I see uh, in people who are trying to lose weight, that there's just some dysfunction there. It's not responding properly or if they're eating the wrong foods, they're kind of fueling the, the insulin charge in their body. Um, so addressing those things leads to weight loss. Weight loss is secondary, um, but you need to fix the underlying dysfunction in order to have the result of weight loss instead of just like starving yourself <laughs> and then going back to your old ways and putting on all the weight um, back again. Work. Yeah. So I got a couple of takeaways from that. Number mm -hmm. one is you're the poop doctor. So I think that's what I'm going to call you from now on. <laughs> Actually, the first doc, the first person that um, our first book I read and he mentioned poop was Rob Wolf. He's a biochemist. And he, mm -hmm. uh, so I laughed about it. It's like, yep, he's the poop guy. And now you're the poop doctor. So, <laughs> but it's really, really true. I definitely agree with that. Even though I'm not an expert in poop, like some people, but you know, it yeah. apparently is important. Um, Riley Romasco, I had on the show earlier. Mm -hmm. She mentioned, she was the first person on the show that mentioned the consistency and the health of her poop. Very important. Very important. The next thing I want to brought up is, is the calories thing, because mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of times we think, you know what, I'm going to eat a thousand calories and, you know, burn 2000 and I'll be fine. And as, that may work for someone who is a bodybuilder who's cutting, or if you have a great gut enzymes and your metabolism is on point, that will work. Mm -hmm. But for most of us, that's not going to work. If your hormones are imbalanced, if your stress levels or out of whack, if you have the right enzymes to break down um, foods and you're supposed to. And I always bring this up. Are you familiar with lumen? It, it sounds very familiar. Most people don't, or if they hear lumen, they think of the light bulb. <laughs> but I'm, Like the lumen in the gut, you mean? or No, it's a product. So what oh, it is, oh. you um, it's a breathalyzer. And oh, okay. I recommend this to everyone, unless you're type 2 diabetic is where I'm a little bit iffy on it. But if you blow into it, it tells you if you're burning fat or carbs. And then based mm. on what you're burning, it gives you dietary recommendations. And it, give, and it gives you a score. Say your metabolism is this much in for flexibility. And the highest score is 21, right? So somebody like myself, I'm at a 20 out of 21. But most people start who want to lose weight because their metabolism is not as flexible. They're around maybe 5 to 10 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But as they eat the right foods, their body then develops the right um, enzymes, so like lipase versus amylase to break down fat and carbs, and they will watch their, their flexibility score go up. So mm -hmm. then a lot of, there are about 19 people in 19,000 people, sorry, in the Facebook group um, who bought Lumen and they ask questions and I go in there and I help them. And a lot of times they say, I can't eat, I'm told not to eat this many calories. I can't eat this many calories. I said, look, it's not about being nourished. You need to calories in versus calories out. You need to nourish yourself. When you nourish yourself, your body is very intelligent and it will create the right enzymes so you can start to break down such and such. 
And a month or two later, they'll come back to me. They're like, I'm losing weight. I'm enjoying what I eat and I feel amazing. And I'm like, just, yeah, just, it's not a diet. It's it literally adjusts with your body. Like if I go wreck my diet right now, my flex score is going to go down and Lumen is going to tell me to eat a certain kind of diet to get my, my flexibility back up. Mm-hmm. Now that's a, the short story of it. I have an entire episode on gut enzymes and how to train your gut enzymes. But reason I brought it up is I actually do have, the website is lumen.me and there's a mm-hmm. code Zico health that people can get 10% off that product. And I, it's the only product that I constantly, constantly recommend on this show because I know how amazing it is. And the link will be in the Zika recommendation page, which everybody knows is always mentioned in the description of the podcast. But it's important to learn your body, the root cause, like you're saying, why I'm not losing weight. It's not because I'm not eating enough. Is maybe because you don't have the right enzymes. So when you eat fat, you break down fat. When you eat carbs, you break down carbs. And that's vital but once we address that, you, the weight management gets better and better. Yeah, for sure. That sounds like a really cool product. I'll have to look into that. Um, is it like a, a a ketone breathalyzer or? No, it's not a key, it's not a ketone breathalyzer. It's more of so you know your body goes through the Krebs cycle, mm-hmm. and um, when you bring when your body breaks down carbs, you have more CO2 in your breath because right. your body goes through Krebs cycle more faster. So it reads the CO2 levels in your breath, and then okay. it knows okay you're breaking down fat, which is a slower process, yeah. or you're breaking down carbs, which is going to produce more CO2. That's really the science, one of the science behind it. Then it gets into your dietary recommendations. Like for me, if before my workout I blow into it, if it tells me I'm running on fat. I need to carve up before my workout, especially if it's going to be an intense workout, something like that. There's so many ways to use it. And I'll tell you more after the show, definitely. Yeah. But it's, it's, the, it's, a, it's a fantastic product, definitely. Mm. Um, now, cool. talking about diets, we just said Lumen is not a diet, right? Mm-hmm. But we know most diets don't work, 75%, 80%, whatever it is. Why don't diets work? Yeah, this is a, this is a big one. Um, and I think... I think it's getting better out there where people are realizing that they can't just go on a crash diet, lose a bunch of weight and expect that to stick. Um, So, I mean, the word diet in itself is quite loaded and there's this whole like diet culture surrounding it. Um, But the reason they don't work is because they are meant to be short-term solutions. Like, you know, I can understand for someone who's like, I just want to lose a bit of weight for my um, wedding or, you know, a bodybuilder that's cutting, like that's a diet. You're going on a short-term cut or bulk or whatever it is. You're changing your diet for a short period of time. And that's all it's meant to be. It's not meant to be a lifestyle. Um, So I always teach about lifestyle shifts because it's about, you know, you said before fueling your body, actually giving it what it's, what it needs and not just cutting calories. You know, you could eat two Big Macs and be in a deficit, but is that really fueling your body and giving it what it needs? Like that's not going to make you feel good and it's not long lasting. So that's kind of in short why diets don't work. And I see this time and time again, where people are like, oh, I've done, you know, Bernstein or I've done Weight Watchers and, and then here they are sitting in my office. So obviously it didn't work. (laughs) Um, It worked in the short term, but then as soon as they go back to their regular eating patterns and lifestyle patterns um, and stress is a huge factor in that they just gain it all back and then some Um, so yeah in in terms of weight loss I I always teach that 
we treat the root cause, whatever that may be, gut health, hormones, whatever it is. Weight loss is secondary. I know that a lot of times women come in and that's their main goal. They want to lose weight. Um, but we need to focus on other things so that weight loss becomes a secondary. Um, it, it happens. Just It just happens because we're fixing the underlying cause. And by fueling your body, you feel better and you actually become more confident because you're feeling better. Um, and oftentimes, you know, even if there's not a huge weight loss, you just feel better in your body because you're like, wow, I, I am glowing. Like I, my skin's better. Um, feeling better is just number one in my books. <laughs> it's not exactly. always looking good. Right. And when you, cause when you take care of your body, it does what it's designed to do. Our bodies are designed yeah. to protect and heal us. And like, I don't diet. The other day I was talking to one of my friends and I said, let me just check how many calories I really eat. Um, how much, sorry, calories I eat in a day. Or is it many? I think it's many. How many calories I eat in a day, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so I tracked for that day and I ate over 3000 calories. And she was like, no, that can't be right. Cause you don't gain, you don't gain fat. And I said, cause my body opt operates optimally. I eat intuitively. I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. I eat. And when I need carbs, I know I need carbs. I need fat. I know I need fat. I know, um, that's one of the things when I tried Lumen was I wanted to see if it corresponds with how I feel. Mm -hmm. And it always, if not at least 90% corresponds with exactly how I feel. Mm -hmm. Because so when you're eating intuitively, your body tells you it needs something. If I feel weak after a workout, I may need some protein. If I'm mm -hmm. flat after a run or if I wake up and my blood sugar just doesn't feel right, I may need some carbs. Like my body tells me exactly what I need and that's where we need to get, right? We need to get to that space to where your body can do that because right weight loss is always going should be secondary once you handle the underlying issue then it takes care of itself it's like sarcopenia the loss of muscle due to aging well mm -hmm. the issue isn't the loss of muscle the symptom is the loss of muscle is sarcopenia the problem is excess aging caused by undue stress excess oxidative stress excess inflammation take care of those things and slow down the aging process you can be like a Narado who's 40 years old running out there and acting like he's 20 <laughs> and forgetting he's not Superman, but that's a different story within itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. I think, and I think that's like so amazing that you're able to eat so intuitively. And that's, that's a goal I think for everyone, everyone should be able to get there because that's how we were meant to be in, in nature within nature, because people think nature is out there <laughs> and I'm going to go into nature and go for a hike no, we are part of nature and we've come so far away from it that we don't even know how to eat anymore. And so that's when concerning lion, for me. <laughs> yeah, because when a lion is hungry, you don't see them checking their my, my fitness pal to see if they need to eat. They go eat. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly. How it works. Yeah. You know? And another thing with intuitive eating is seasonal eating, which we're going to get into a little bit later. But mm -hmm. just a thing on that, if you look at um, back in the day, right? ancestral living they didn't have all this stuff flowing into them they had to eat what was around them in colder weather they ate a certain way in warmer weather they ate a certain way the thing is with us normal like i said earlier they go back to their normal diet which is same crap they eat all year round you're not mm -hmm. your body's not supposed to do that the reason why um sugar if stuff don't grow in extreme cold temperatures Mm -hmm. there's a reason why fruits and sugar stuff grow in hotter temperatures when we're more active and we can sweat more so yeah the intuitive when you're eating intuitively and even when the season changes your body tells you what you actually need mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think most people can understand that from a temperature standpoint, for sure. Like they don't want to go eat ice cream or smoothies when it's really cold out. So that's your body telling you right there. Right. Now we're talking about eating. So we're going to talk about plants, right? Mm -hmm. How does uh, eating pl more plants help us with weight management? So this is a... Uh, Another loaded question. <laughs> These can hit so many, so many things here. So the first thing I always um, talk to people about is calorie density. So I know we talked about, you know, calories in, calories out. It's not always about that. But most people um, that I see anyway are eating a very calorie dense diet. So meaning they're eating foods that are deficient or devoid of fiber and nutrients and they're eating you know basically just pure calories so things like oil or cheese um, these are really really dense you know one tablespoon of oil is 120 calories so if you think about a pound of food a pound of oil that's like two days worth of calories versus a pound of kale which is calorie deficient, but high in nutrients and antioxidants. So by eating more plants, you naturally are eating less calories and getting more bang for your buck in terms of antioxidants, micronutrients, um, and fueling yourself essentially. So that's why I lean more towards eating more plants. And the upside as well to that is that plants have fiber. And I really think that we you know, both you and I are living in fiber deficient countries. You know, if you go back thousands of years, they've found fossilized poop where they can see how much grams of fiber that, you know, Neanderthals were eating. And it was like a hundred grams of fiber. And right now, you know, I think in the States, the average number of grams that people are eating in terms of fiber per day is about 15, which is barely anything and no wonder people are constipated and feeling unwell you need fiber to fuel your microbiome and your gut bugs so you have this rainforest and constellation of bugs that live inside of you more more bugs than cells really so we're basically more of a bug than a human um, and you need to feed those bugs fiber that's what they eat they eat carbohydrates they eat plant fiber and if you're you know not feeding them that then they're dying one and then you're allowing the opportunistic bacteria which are not so great to overgrow and live off of sugar and fat and all the processed junk that you're throwing in so that's the other piece of it is that it kind of fits into um, gut health and making sure you're fueling the microbiome so that your immune system is functioning properly so that you have optimal insulin levels because fiber slows the the, the release of glucose into the bloodstream so there's so many benefits to adding more plants to your diet. And I really think that most people could add a few more vegetables. Um, not many people are, are eating enough, I would say. <laughs> I definitely agree. And that's something I've, even with the changes I've made with my life, I still try to add more plants into my diet, especially as it gets warmer too. Mm -hmm. And when I say plants, I don't just mean vegetables. I also mean Fruits. like, you know, fruits as well, yeah. um, things from the fung fungi, like mushrooms and, you know, exposing yourself to different plant foods is definitely great for your body because they are bringing different benefits. And I want to touch on a couple of things because you hit a sore, sore spot for me, which was the fiber, mm -hmm. because 
I've had people say to me, what probiotics do you take? And I tell them, I, I don't think I've ever taken probiotics. I drink and eat stuff that could make a grown man's stomach turn. But to me, it's actually tastes good. Doesn't bother. At first it was terrible, but my body's gotten used to it now. So yeah, there's an argument between some don't survive the acid in Asia of your gut. We can get into all that and whatever. But my thing is that when you eat foods that are fermented or foods that have more of a bitter taste, you're feeding your body with probiotics. Mm -hmm. That's why Greek yogurt without the sugars is better than regular yogurt, right? Mm -hmm. Kombucha is a bit a better drink than um, orange juice, right? Because you're feeding yeah. your body. But the fiber part is important because what happens? The fiber is the food for those probiotics. So if you don't feed them, like you said, what happens? They die. Mm -hmm. So you even if you go out there and take the best probiotic supplement, let's say it's not transient. Let's say it does survive the acidic nature of your gut, but then you don't eat fiber, you're pissing your money away. Yeah. Because literally, it's not, you can't, you're not feeding them, even if you have the best probiotics. So we need fiber in our diet. Mm -hmm. You know, so fiber don't just help us to poop more and poop better, which by the way, I use the bathroom at least two times every day, sometimes <laughs> three, but that's a little bit TMI. But, <laughs> um, but it does help with feeding a bacteria. There's so much studies that show that people who have, who are, of good, good, good body weight versus those who are obese have different gut environments, different bacteria in their gut. But again, even if you feed it those bacteria like lactobacillus and so on and so forth, even if you feed your body those probiotics, you still have to feed them. And that's why fiber is so important. So thank you so much. Yes, I completely agree. And, and just to hammer that point home, I usually make the metaphor of a rainforest and the need for diversity in a rainforest. If you think about you know, a rainforest, you have thousands of different species. If you just had a, a single monocrop rainforest, so you had all the same type of tree, and you went and dropped in a fungus or a bacteria that killed that type of plant, you would destroy the entire forest. But if you have thousands of different species, you might kill a few, but the rest are going to survive and flourish. And so that's the piece with the immune system and the gut. And that's why it's so important to eat diversely. So eat all different kinds of fruits, vegetables, plant products, mushrooms, and um, really fuel the different species of bacteria in your gut so that you're able to withstand you know, a virus or um, a bacterial infection. So stop sending me DMs and asking me what probiotics do I take and <laughs> what this I do, because this is what I do. What um, Alex is explaining right now, this is what I do. I had someone on the show that said, it's good to expose your body to it about 30 different plant foods weekly. Now that doesn't mean 30 different types of vegetables, right? That includes yeah. all the things that we mentioned before. That could also be in your juices and you know, there's different ways to expose your body to 30 different plant foods. So don't for try sure. to go shopping for 30 different plants. That's kind of asinine. But yeah. anyway, so moving on. Go Now we're going to talk about eating in season. So you're the expert on this. Tell us, why is that important? Um, well, the first thing is that when you eat in season, um, you are getting the highest quality or the highest amount of nutritional content in that food. So uh, apples are a great example because I know that in Canada, um, apples grow typically in the, in the fall. So you go to an apple orchard, you do your apple picking, and 
damn, those apples taste so good. And you can tell that they're full of, of, you know, fiber and lots of different nutrients because you can tell in the taste. Um, and this is a really good sign for people to kind of test themselves. When you go to the supermarket and you buy an apple in the dead of winter, <laughs> those apples have been frozen since they've been picked in the fall, sometimes more than a year. And so that's why it's important to eat seasonally because if you're eating something that was picked frozen before it's ripe and then you're buying it the next year, imagine how much of a decrease in nutrients uh, or in nutritional content that thing, that apple has, has undergone. The other thing is the, obviously the environmental impact. So, you know, watermelons, I love watermelons, but I typically only eat them in the summer because they're just, they're a summer food. That's when they grow here. Um, and you can tell that the taste is a little bit different when they get shipped from Mexico again in the dead of winter. Um, so that's, those are kind of the two main pieces, but the other thing, I know that we kind of talked about this previously, um, just a, a moment ago that your body tells you what it wants. So warm foods in the winter time and colder foods in the summertime. So things like juicy fruits, tropical fruits in the summer, or, you know, if you live in Florida, <laughs> it's a little bit warmer there versus up in Canada. I tend to crave more like soups and stews because it's rainy and it's cold out. And that's a really important thing to, to notice in your own intuition or your gut feeling is to, to really honor that because your, your body tells you what it needs. Um, so that's kind of my, my piece on eating in season. That's awesome. Uh, you actually brought up something. I wasn't thinking about a nutrition piece, but that is so right. My, um, my uncle, because I talked to him about eating seasonally, and one day he said to me, you know what, I was thinking about it, because we grew up in Jamaica, so he understands seasons, right, just from, from an island, but now he lives in New York, but he was telling me about these apples, that you brought up the apple, and I made sure I wrote it down, because I wanted to get back to that, because he was saying that the, the apples, when they grow fresh, and he eats them, picks them, and eats them, they taste so good and he's like that actually makes sense to me now you're telling me about eating in season because they grow in the right season and i pick them they have such a they're so delicious like they, i love how they taste and now what you're saying makes so much sense because he made that exact connection himself because again come that's eating intuitively right once you start to realize your body will tell you when something is good and his body was telling him even though he didn't realize that's what it was doing at the time so thank you so much because I'm not saying frozen stuff is bad. That's not what we're saying that, you know, if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. But, the, but if you can get things that are fresh, you're doing your body better service. For sure. But you know, and, sorry <laughs> to go on the frozen thing. Um, oftentimes, and I know this is such a convoluted topic because there's things that you can buy fresh in season that are better, but things like berries, for example, um, are actually better when they're frozen because they're picked um, when they're ripe, when they're ripest, and then flash frozen right then and there. Um, so there are things that are better frozen sometimes. Um, but I would say just kind of listen to your, your body. And if you taste something that's a little bit like, you know, when you taste a watermelon and it just doesn't taste like anything, there's no sugar in it. You're like, this is gross. Then, you know, that's your body telling you that this is probably not super high nutritional content. And plus berries are more complex than, um, yeah. than let's say a watermelon would be too. So it helps to keep your blood sugar steady. So something that 
tends to survive colder temperatures, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. Well, you know what though? You know, there's there's one thing that does not have a season. Processed foods. Mm-hmm. So think about that. There's no yeah. seasons for it. Mm-mm. There's no seasons for processed foods, people. So food for thought. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked a lot about gut health already and mm-hmm. the importance of good gut bacteria and its impact on weight loss, weight management, sarcopenia, so on and so forth. Do you have anything to add to what we've discussed? Um, definitely. I wanted to make sure that people know that they should be eating bitter foods. So I know you touched on that, the fermented and the bitter. Um, We are all fiber deficient for one, but we're also bitter deficient. And so bitter foods are so important. And this bitter foods can be like, you know, kale or dark leafy greens. Um, Those are bitter arugula. Lots of lettuces tend to be a little bit bitter. So eating those on a daily basis can really help to train your your microbiome, but as well help with enzyme production and get you into a rest and digest state. So I definitely wanted to make sure I mentioned that because that's a really important piece for gut health. Right before this interview, today was my fasting day and I broke my fast early because I had the interview today. I have some clients later, but so I had my salmon with with some um, spinach that I sauteed Mm -hmm. on the stove. And the first time I tried sauteed spinach, I didn't like it. And it tastes, it has more of a bitter taste for me and I couldn't mm-hmm. deal with it. And now she's saying that, I just realized I, it didn't taste bitter to me. My body loved it. You know, I actually had um, spinach two days in a row or if I throw it in my omelet or something. And of course I eat all the vegetables as well, but I was brought up that up as an example. So your, cause your palate changes over time. And when you have a good, healthy gut environment, it actually craves healthy foods. I don't realize that. It does. When you crave sugars and processed crap, that means that there's something going on down there that's not supposed to be going on. Mm-hmm. That's your gut now, bugs talking. <laughs> that's right. And they're telling you, stop feeding crap. You're killing us down here. Yeah. Actually, your gut bugs are probably, the, the bad gut bugs are asking for the crap and the good ones are like, stop it. You're killing us over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, you, t- you, t- you, you just talked about the importance of bitter but not just drinking bitter stuff but eating vegetables that have like a slight bitter taste to them but are there any other tips that you have to improve gut health i would say my number one um, gut health tip is routine so just like us as humans um, our gut bugs love routine so if you think about jet lag that's a perfect example where people will fly you know across the country or to another country and they'll get constipated Um, And that's because your gut bugs are so used to getting food at a certain time. And they're also used to pooping at a certain time. So if you are constipated, my number one tip is to create that poop routine. So get up in the morning, sit on the toilet, do some squats so that you're getting a little bit of movement there. Even if you're not going to go, you're creating that routine so that your body gets to know, oh, this is the time when I'm supposed to be releasing all the garbage. So routine is probably my number one um, tip for gut health. Wow, that's fantastic. I didn't even, I didn't know that at all, but that makes sense. I was, um, the, one of the last interview that I did, she mentioned that when you, in, when you improve your sleep quality or your, mm-hmm. your circadian rhythm, your circadian clock, you actually poop at about the same time every day. And she said that, and that ties into exactly what you're saying, because your body gets used to it. 
And I was thinking, hmm, I poop around 8.30 to 9 o'clock every morning. Like, I'm not making it up. Like, I didn't even know it had anything to do with my circadian clock. I, but when she said that, I was like, yes, I poop at that time. And then every night I poop again. And sometimes middle of the day if I hit three times because I'm over an overachiever. But, I, you know, that's made this too <laughs> disgusting. But, you know, but my, <laughs> my body does the same thing. So And that's why I love having experts like yourself on the show because now it's teaching me things. And my audience definitely can go back and say, I see why this is an issue for me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm, if I'm not pooping, it's not just I'm fiber deficient. I may also be sleep deficient. Then you also, of course, nutrient deficient and everything else that may come with it, right? And that's why it's important to address the root cause, yes. not just the illness. Totally. Yeah, sleep is huge. And that's part of routine, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I have an entire episode on Get Quality Sleep. So go back and listen to that puppy. Go to my website, zukl.com. I have an entire article on how to get quality sleep. Go read it. Improve your sleep quality. <laughs> but as announced, here comes the big topic. What are the three tips to have a healthy JJ? Lay it on. Alrighty. So before I, before I drop these tips, um, I just want to say that the vagina has its own microbiome. So I know a lot of people don't think that, or they don't even know that, but your vagina has its own pH, its own gut bugs or not gut bugs, its own bacteria and yeast. So it's important. And this ties into the first tip to let it be. Just leave it be, don't start douching and you know throwing soaps and things up there. It cleans itself. So just leave it be, that's my number one. That's my number one tip for a healthy vagina is stop cleaning it with harsh soaps or spraying it with sprays to make it smell better. It smells how it smells because it's doing its thing. So leave it be, that's my number one tip. <laughs> Um, number two kind of ties into that, um, how it's self-cleaning and, you know, as women are vagina owners, some other people also have vaginas, not just women. Um, if you are menstruating every month, please use organic cotton tampons or pads, or use a uh, menstrual cup. Every time you put a pad that is scented or a tampon that has scents or things right into your vagina, that's a mucous membrane. That's like putting something in your mouth that is full of pesticides and scents. That is totally messing up your vaginal biome and it's going to change the pH and it's going to predispose you to infections. Um, So that's tip number two. And then my tip number three, and then I'll give you a bonus too, because you know I have lots of tips here for a healthy vagina. Um, tip number three, it, it ties into the gut health piece. So because it has um, a biome of its own, eating lots of fruits and veg, and especially antioxidant-rich um, foods like berries and dark leafy greens is so important to keeping your vagina healthy and keeping those um, bacterial and yeast-like candida, um, which causes yeast infections at bay. So make sure that you're stocking up on your fruit and veg, specifically berries and dark leafies so that your, your vagina stays healthy. And then my last tip, um, for a healthy vagina, since I'm an naturopathic doctor, um, 
is to get your regular pap screening. So that's for cervical cancer wellness. Um, so make sure that you are getting that done because uh, you don't always know what cervical cancer feels like. It doesn't ha often have pain associated with it, um, sometimes not even bleeding. So that's a really important um, aspect of vaginal health is to get your screening done. The first tip, I think you scarred me for life because in my head, I was thinking about somebody just scrubbing it down there. <laughs> like, okay, I'm completely messed up. So thank you. It's all Alex's fault. My girlfriend's going to come after you. It's, it's, all, it's all your fault. And, uh, so, but thanks to those tips um, that I definitely know that my audience is going to benefit from that, especially because I think I'm like 75% woman. I wonder why. But somehow I have a lot of women who listen to the show. So go back and listen to those tips. They can have a healthy vagina. Um, and uh, someone regarding the tampon piece too, and mm -hmm. I didn't really understand it as a, one of my friends was explaining that to me. She said that she will, she doesn't push a, like a tampon up in there, right? She mm -hmm. used the actual pad. And she said, sometimes she will, but most of the time she uses a pad or she has a particular routine that she does. She was explaining it to me, but my brain could not understand what she was talking about. However, <laughs> She was saying that though, that she doesn't have like the menstrual, menstrual cramps and mm. she doesn't feel the, like the, what most other women feel with her periods. Now we're not saying that's exactly why, but she thinks that's connected to it somehow, which from what you're explaining, it possibly can, because if you're pushing stuff up there, that's not supposed to be there. Then it's filled with pesticides or you know, whatever, whatever you use up there that you're not supposed to use, you can be creating more issues because it has its own microbiome, just like your gut has its own microbiome. You got to feed your gut. You got to feed your JJ properly as well. That's what I, that's my takeaway. That's my takeaway. For sure. And I know that like some, a lot of women find it gross to use pads. Like they don't want to be sitting in their own filth is what they describe it. Um, but I think pads are definitely your best bet. And, you know, there's so many different companies now that have reusable pads. So they're more eco-friendly um, and you just like wash them uh, after use, it's like basically like underwear. I know it's, this sounds really gross, but it's not. They're they're super awesome. Um, I love them. Um, but yeah, like you said, like putting a tampon up there, you're creating more pressure, and you're basically keeping the blood where it's supposed to be coming out. <laughs> you know, your just... your body's cleansing. It's removing the layer of the uterus, right? So it's supposed to be out not inside of you <laughs> well like i said i'm i'm scarred for life so thank you very much for that um, you'll never now, forget it i never will i never will i'm, I'm completely yeah. screwed up now i mean i was already screwed up before this anyway but that's another <laughs> conversation as well so with that being said fantastic interview i've learned a lot from this episode i'm gonna listen to it over and over again to get out some of the gems that you have provided and my audience will definitely benefit so the million dollar question how can they get in touch with you? So you can uh, visit my website. So it's Dr. Alex Dragon, uh, D-R-A-G-A-N, not like the animal, dot com. Um, and then my Instagram is the same. So my Instagram handle is Dr. Alex Dragon. And you can find me in Vancouver, um, BC, in Canada, or Port Moody. Um, and all of my links are in my Instagram bio. So that's probably the best place to reach me. Perfect. And of course, her contact information will be in the show notes, which will be in the description of the podcast. 
But for those who like to uh, Google, it's going to be um, zkhealth.com slash Alex D. Not very uh, creative when it comes to my show notes. First name, first initial, last name. Have a nice day. So <laughs> thank you so much, Alex. It's a fantastic interview. My audience has learned a lot. I've learned a lot. And I definitely want to have you on in the show in the future. And again, thank you for your tips. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Zico Health Show. If you got good quality content out of this episode, save, subscribe, and share it out there with family, friends, coworkers, or anybody who needs to hear this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.